0: We are in the middle, actually, we're at the end. Today we're wrapping up the series called Aftermath. In the series we've looked at the effects of Christ coming to earth, living a perfect life, having a ministry, sowing the seeds of his ways and his thinking, and then actually dying on a cross and being raised to life again. That Short period of history, those few events changed the world. They are literally the pivotal moment of all history. Everything before that led up to that point, and everything since then is different because of that point. You and I are here today because of Jesus' life, ministry, death, and resurrection. We have life because of his life. Amen? So aftermath, this series we've been going through, we are looking at some of the things that happened as a result of his death and resurrection. Uh, Obviously, we have our individual salvations to be thankful for, but the world was literally changed. The thing we're going to be talking about today is a true, deep mystery Of the Bible of Scripture. It's a mystery that only God can understand, but He gives it to us in ways that we can kind of learn about, kind of get a hold of. And that is the mystery of the church, His body. It exists because of Him. He is the head, we are the body. Let's take a look at what the early church looked like in Acts 2. 42 through 47 they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship to breaking of bread and to prayer everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles all the believers were together and had everything in common They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Well, it looks like this thing might work. However, in our modern age... We have faster ways of spreading news than by eating together and meeting together. We have something called the Internet. Well, God knew about the Internet long time before it ever existed. I wonder why he didn't choose that as his uh, vehicle for spreading the good news. Watch this with me. Oh, hey, Mike. Where do you have to... I oh, just diagramming this accident with my State Farm pocket agent app. Hmm. You can also get a quote and pay your premium with this thing. I thought State Farm didn't have all those apps. Where'd you hear that? The internet. And you believed it? Yeah. They can't put anything on the internet that isn't true. Where'd you hear that? The, the internet. internet. Oh look, here comes my date. I met him on the internet. He's a French model. Uh, bonjour. State Farm, more mobile than ever. Get to a better state. Well. That's just one reason God didn't choose the internet to spread the good news. You are the other. (laughs) You are. Let's see what is the key and priority. It's not about speed. It's not even about information. It's a little bit more about credibility. But let's see what Jesus had to say. In John chapter 17, we have what is recorded as Jesus' last big time of prayer with the Lord. He spent time with the Father. He spent time in prayer. He prayed for his disciples that were on the earth at that time, and he also prayed for you and for me. So let's hear what he says, John 17, 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I in you. didn't pray for our safety. He didn't pray for our health. He cares about those things, but when he was spending time with the Lord, with his Father, when he was praying for us in a a way that got recorded for us so that we could know what he said, when he was praying for us, his priorities showed and what was the thing he prayed for? Unity. That they may be one. And he says that it's by his spirit. He gave us the glory that you that you gave me. I've given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as you are one. So that they can be one. In other words, we can't do this on our own. This is something that only the Lord can do. Only God can accomplish this coming together and this unity called the church. We are a picture of who God is. When we see this scripture, he also says it's so that the world will know that you sent me. See, we have, sometimes we make a mistake, kind of in our verbiage, maybe more than in our belief. But we use words and we use phrases that kind of imply that God the Father is this righteous judge who's going to send people where they belong at the end of time. And Jesus is this nice guy who came and rescued us from that. Get the thought? But that's not the truth. The truth is God the Father loved us so much that he sent the Son. God the Son loved us so much that he came and died for us. God the Holy Spirit loves us so much that his presence is dwelling on this earth until we are taken off of it. God is a trinity, and he operates in total unity. And our unity as a body is an example to the world of who God is. What a privilege. What an honor that is, and what a miracle. It is such a... A miracle to operate in unity as we think about influencing the people around us I want to just point out this book that I read it's one of my favorite books and forgive me if I've uh, insisted on you reading it before (laughs) it's a great book it's called the leadership challenge and it's about 25 years of research about influential people regardless of position or rank or power but people that have influence on other people. And one of the main, if not the main ingredient to influencing others or leading others is something called credibility. See, it means you are who you say you are. It means you walk your talk. You practice what you preach. All that stuff that we like to see in people. Credibility. Our unity Our coming together as the body of Christ is our credibility. The effectiveness of the church is found in its unity. When we are united, when we come together as one, then the world will understand that God loves them, that Jesus loves them, that they can be a part of his family. Ephesians 4, 3 through 6 says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Well, I get that, don't you? That's a little bit deep. It's kind of like the idea of balance. Anybody know how to ride a bike? Okay, Then you know how to balance, well, a two-wheel bike. (laughs) Um, Now, if I were to explain to you the scientific applications that affect balance and how your body reacts and responds and what forces do what reactions and all that stuff, which I could never do, but if I could explain it to you and if you were to take a test on it, you might be able to pass the test on paper. However, that doesn't mean you know how to ride a bike. To ride a bike, you have to ride a bike. Is that true? So a lot of things in Scripture are like that. They're too big for us to understand and even if we could understand them in an intellectual way and explain them according to theology and all that stuff, until we walk it out, we don't really understand it. Well, the unity of the body, the body of Christ, is one of these things. Coming together in a place where, with people who are otherwise totally different, totally separate individuals, but when we come together in one spirit, as one body, with one head who is Christ, a miracle happens. A miracle happens. When we come together in one mind with the intention of worshiping our Lord and we lift our praises to God, a miracle happens that is tangible, a presence of God that is tangible, a power of God that is something we can feel and sense. It doesn't just mean walking into the same building. If that were true, then if a bunch of Christians went to the movies, you would feel the presence of God at the movies. So it's not about walking into the building. It's about coming into one mind and one accord. It's about showing up at this place with the intention of fellowshipping with other believers and of worshipping corporately, publicly, publicly our God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, about magnifying his name together. And when we come into one mind like that, into one spirit like that, one purpose, one direction, that is when we feel the presence of God. The presence of God is not determined by the people on the stage. It's not. It's not even determined by how many people are in the room. It's determined by the unity of the people in the room. So if you come in to criticize, guess what? You're not in that one spirit, are you? If you come in out of obligation, out of religion, God knows your heart. I don't know your heart. I'm not critiquing you right now. I'm just saying if on a bad day you come in because your husband insists you have to go to church eh, or whatever, okay, check the box religion i did my service i was at church and now i'm going to go live how i want to live you're not coming into unity but when we come into this room together or any room together with the intention of serving our lord of worshiping our lord of glorifying our lord when we lift our praises together that is when we feel the presence the culmination of God's presence together and the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm gonna challenge you next week. First of all, be here. Second of all, be a little early. Yep, get here early and get your mind right. Forget about the guy that held you up in traffic or the person who was behind you wanting you to go faster because it's probably, both of you are probably sitting here. Just saying. (laughs) And if somebody's tailgating you on the way into the driveway, I'm sorry forgive me. Um, Anyway, (laughs) Um, get your mind right. Get in here. Get your mindset. I'm here to worship the Lord. I'm going to magnify the Lord. I'm going to lift his name because that's, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. And then let's see what God does. Let's see. I'm just, I'm challenging you. Let's just try it. Let's get here. And when we come together in unity, what does Jesus say? then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. See, we don't have to go stand on the street corner and preach. Nothing wrong with that. But what's our credibility? Our credibility is when we're together. We have power and credibility when we come together in one mind and one spirit. That's where our credibility lies, and that's when the world will see that God loves them and will want to come to God. Let me say it this way. If you work with unbelievers, and when you go to work tomorrow, all you do is gripe about the other Christians in your life, do you think they're gonna wanna join that group? That's like saying, yes, I want to swim with sharks. No. What's wrong? Your credibility is damaged. What about parents? This one's super sensitive. Parents, if you go home or out to lunch, and nitpick about all the believers that you encountered this morning, from the pastor to the greeter, or the person sitting next to you smacking their gum, whatever. If you nitpick about that, if you take on a spirit of criticism, do you think your children are gonna want to join that fellowship? You've just torn it apart. You've just said it's not good. Why would they want to join it? See, the problem is your credibility is damaged. Our credibility, which means our influence and our leadership, is based on us being what we say we are, doing what we say we believe we should do. Credibility. And according to Christ, we are to love each other. Love each other. We are to become one body. The effectiveness of the church is in its unity. Ephesians 4, 3-6, through 6, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called. Did I read this already? Just as you were called, one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one Father, of all who is in all and through all and in all. So the world sees Christ not through our great deeds, not through our eloquent words, but through our unity and love for each other. This is our credibility. If they don't believe in the messenger, they won't believe the message. John 13, 34 and 35 says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Sacrificial, serving, giving, others-focused kind of love. That's what Christ is asking us to do. Focus on others. In John 15, we have a different example of what... The church looks like it's not the body here it's the vine uses a word that I struggle with and the word is remain the reason I struggle with it is because it implies time not my strong suit but let's see what he says John 15 verse 4 says remain in me as I also remain in you no branch can bear fruit by itself it must remain in the vine Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. How do we do this? How do we remain in Christ? Verse 9, same chapter, verse 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. There it is. All we have to do is keep Christ's commands. Simple. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Anybody want more joy? Anybody want complete joy? So, Jesus tells us this so that we can have complete joy. Ready? Verse 12, here it is. My command is this love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. This is my command. He's going to repeat himself here. This is my command. Love each other. Wow. We want joy. We want to remain in Christ. We've got to love each other. This is a simple message. This is deep, deep, deep water. 2019, the United Nations published a report. It's the consecutive. It's been publishing in this report for several years. I just want to touch on it for you. It's called the World Happiness Report. Basically, they look, they do statistics over 150-some countries. They uh, send out surveys and come up with results that measure people's sense of well-being because the world doesn't have any access to true joy and true meaning. So a sense of well-being means safety, um, food, clothing, shelter, um, you know, things like that, education, So economic status, jobs, things like that come together to make up a sense of well-being. And this is totally a a world measurement, okay? And one of the things they said in in a concluding statement after the report for 2019 was, specifically, people are more likely to derive happiness from helping others when they feel free to choose whether or how to help when they feel connected to the people they're helping, and when they can see how their help is making a difference. I just, I wanted to go on the website and type the church right under that. People are more likely to be happy when they help others, when they do it voluntarily, when they feel connected to those people, and when they see a difference. Anybody go to Royal Family? I'm asking you to respond a lot. Royal Family Camp is a camp where 105 people came together to minister to 65 foster care children. It is, is, yes, it is a wonderful week, but do you know what a miracle it is to get 105 people to work 24/7 with basically no return in the moment under stressful conditions and in living quarters with people they've never met? Ah. That's a big job. That's a big ask. And you know what? Almost everybody that goes connects with the meaning and the power of the moment. It is a moment where that unity, that coming together in the same purpose, the same mind, makes a difference in people's lives. Even the United Nations knows that this is the source of happiness. We want to be happy. We want to have joy. But we also want to introduce people to Jesus. And a long time before the United Nations existed, Jesus said, be one as we are one. As the Father and I are one, you connect with each other. Also, World Happiness Report, by most accounts, Americans should be happier now than ever. Violent crime is low, unemployment rate is down, income per capita has steadily grown. These are things that go with happiness, according to this. This is the Easterland paradox. As the standard of living improves, so should happiness. But it has not. Do you think there's a possibility that our self centered lives are stunting the growth of our happiness? All these factors keep growing. Our income, our security. We have so much stuff that we have TV shows and YouTube channels about how to get rid of stuff. It's ridiculous. It's actually really embarrassing. (laughs) But we should be happier. The things we pursue, the things that we chase after, we have more of. Why aren't we happier? Well, let's look what Jesus said, our Creator, what our Father says and speaks to us. Happiness comes from laying self down. Another fact from the uh, World Happiness Report, I'll show you a couple graphs. I'll try to hurry so you don't get bored here. This is the general happiness of United States adults from the years 1973 to 2016. You can see that it goes down. Even though our standard of living is going up, our general sense of well-being is going down. The next figure is a survey of 8th and 10th graders, 8th and 10th graders in the United States from 2006 to 2017. You can see that factors that relate to happiness among adolescents, including in-person social interaction and sleep are going down and internet use is going up. This is called a correlation. Let's look in the next chart. This is a correlational chart with zero, the zero line being happiness. And these are activities among adolescents that contribute to happiness. Let's see, you're going this way. Contribute to happiness or take away from happiness. The things that contribute to happiness, again, 8th and 10th graders. Religious services contribute to happiness and well-being. Did you know that? Volunteer work. Sleep. Teenagers, can you amen that one? Do you need more sleep? Uh, music concert. Homework contributes to happiness. Wow, parents, I'm giving you ammunition here. I hope you're taking notes. Okay, Working has a zero correlation, meaning that it won't make your child happy, but it also won't make them unhappy. So you're welcome, parents, working. Um, Then as we go down, the things that are negatively correlated, we have talking on the cell phone, texting, social media, and the very last one, the biggest one, actually, is listening to music, but there's a note somewhere under this that says that it's listening to music with earbuds. So it's not like a concert or a social occasion. It's listening to music alone. And earbuds can actually make you alone even when you're in a crowded room. So this lack of social contact contact is concerning for the United Nations. Come on, church. We should have seen this coming if we didn't. Why do you think the early church met together continually? broke bread together in their homes. It wasn't because they had lots of free time and lots of bread. That is not the point. The point is the coming together, the doing life together, the fellowship. How can you love someone if you don't even know their name? How can you meet someone else's need if you have no idea what that need is? Trust me, they're not printing it on a t-shirt. You don't know their need. You don't know if they're hungry. You don't know if they're lonely. How do you know these things? How do you obey Christ's command if you're not connected with his body? Matthew 16, 25, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life, for me, will find it. See, this report I just referenced isn't saying that Internet usage or smartphone usage is making us unhappy. It's saying that it's taking our time. And because it's taking so much of our time, again, for adolescents, an average of six hours a day, an average of six hours a day, They are spending less time in a classroom, just FYI. It's not that those things make us unhappy, it's that they take our time away from the things that do make us happy. That's the concern. And isn't it amazing that the commands of Christ line up perfectly with the things that make us happy? Why is that? It's our purpose. It's why we're here, to give, to lay down our own lives for the benefit of others. See, we grow in faith and we become mature through unity and through fellowship with other believers. We can't even grow apart from the body. Anybody know what a tourniquet is? If you get injured really badly, and there's lots of bleeding. I'm sorry if this is gross. (laughs) There's lots of bleeding. One of the first things you might do is put a tourniquet on. So you're separating the injury from the rest of the body in a way. And this can keep you from bleeding to death. But what if that was the last thing you did? What if you get injured, and the first thing you do is put on a tourniquet to stop the bleeding, and the last thing you do is put on that tourniquet to stop the bleeding? What's going to happen? Is the injury gonna heal? Probably not, it's not getting any blood. It's not getting any good, fresh, new, nourishing blood. What's more, everything around it is gonna die. And pretty soon the whole limb is gonna be lost. See, sometimes in this body, we might get injured. And those injuries might be a scratch, and forgive me again, get over it, move on. Your toes might get stepped on, no big deal, move on. But sometimes the injuries are deep, and they do hurt, and there is damage. I get that. It's because we're in a body of people, and sometimes we hurt each other, and I'm sorry for that. But the truth is, Christ is the head, And even though we might take a step back to bandage the wound, to figure out what's going on, we need to clean that wound. We need to make sure there's no bitterness in there. No bitterness. Bitterness is a poison that will kill the body. Think this gangrene equals bitterness. Bitterness equals gangrene. Okay? That'll help you with that. No bitterness. We need forgiveness. We need to forgive. We bandage that wound, and then the very first thing we do is take that tourniquet off. Get it off there. We have to restore the connection to the body. We cannot survive separate from the body. If you're a believer, you cannot survive as a believer. You cannot grow in your faith. You cannot become more mature separate from the body we are to bind ourselves together we are to walk the same path we have received the same spirit of christ the same salvation the same baptism we are his body and we cannot separate ourselves and expect to grow or even survive we need each other ephesians 4 Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. You heard about service last week. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then, then when we reach unity in the faith as each part does its work. Finally, the protection of the church happens through unity. In Acts 20, Paul is addressing a group of church leaders. He's getting ready to leave, and he says this in tears with a lot of angst. He says to the leaders, keep watch over yourselves and the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I've never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. It's important that we stay together. Wild animals... Or sheep, they're all illustrations. God gives us nature to show us truth. Sheep are safer when they're together in a flock. It's easier to identify the wolf when the wolf comes into the sheep pen instead of when the sheep are off wandering by themselves. We need to stay together. We need to stay under godly leadership. We need this unity for our own protection against our enemies. I want to give you a little example of this from my own life. Uh, my son, when he was in high school, he played basketball for four years. And I didn't know anything about basketball except they run this way, they run that way, they run this way, they run that way. And in the very last minute, whoever scores the last few baskets wins the game. So basically, <laughs> my idea was that you watch basketball for the last three minutes. That was. I enjoyed the game of basketball until he started playing and then I learned some stuff I learned about the strategies and the positions and how the whole game worked and and what happened over time he was his position was center and how this position worked even though sometimes he dribbled and ran and sometimes he took shots and all that I'm obviously not a sports expert um He did that stuff, but his main position was center. And what he did in that position in that moment was he stood under the basket and he made himself as big as he could and he rooted his feet to the ground as strong as he could. And my favorite thing in the world, when I was at the games, my favorite thing was to watch a smaller guy from the other team run at him and hit him and just bounce right off. That was my favorite. That meant he was doing his job. He was holding that ground. But him being there, even though he wasn't making a shot, him being there allowed other team members to come around him and take a shot and make points, score a basket. He protected them from the other team, from the opponent. He held the ground See where I'm going with this? Seniors, I want to specifically talk to you. That position, his coach called him and the other centers, he called them the bigs. They were the bigs. They were the big heavy guys. Seniors, you guys are the bigs. You guys are the ones, you've already captured the ground. We need you to stand there. We need you to hold that ground. Just you being there lets the rest of the team come around and make a basket. Just you showing up for a church. Just you showing up in the nursery. Just you showing up for a life group. Just you being there, strong in the faith, holding the ground that you've captured, not retreating, not benching yourself, but standing there, just you standing there, allows others to win. We need you. If you have captured ground no matter what your age, If you have walked in the path of the Lord and you have captured ground, you owe it to the rest of the body to show up. Show up. Get yourself here. Encourage the one next to you. Get yourself to a life group. Help that mama know that her kid is normal. She needs to know that. Right? Help them know their marriage is worth saving. That this moment of discontent or hurt will pass. And it's worth it to get through. Help them know they don't know. The world is telling them if you're not happy, leave. If you're not happy, walk out. Give up. Because your happiness is what you're supposed to pursue. But the world's own report tells us that giving, volunteering, is what leads to happiness. And our word tells us that laying self down, dying to self, and ministering, serving, giving to others, that is where we will find Not only happiness, but joy, and complete joy. Show up. Show up. 1 Corinthians 12. Just as the body, this is verse 12 also. Just as the body though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Verse 15, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not, be for, that reason, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the ear should say, I'm not an eye, so I don't belong to the body, it doesn't for that reason stop being part of the body. What is this telling us? Just because you don't have the job that you think is what you think it should be, you're needed. You don't know. You don't know what good works the Lord has planned for you. Show up, do the work. What is the work? One command. This one command I give you, love each other. Love each other. Verse 18 says, but in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. Down in verse 26 it says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. In verse 27, now you, 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 you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. I didn't put that up here because I want you to put a marker in your Bible. I want you to read this. Each one of you is a part of that body Finally, Hebrews 10, let us hold, verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Christ's body is his vehicle to take care of his body. The body builds the body. We are his vehicle to show grace, mercy, salvation to this world. Let's show up.